Thank you for joining us on Warrior Women Speak. I'm Judge Rosemary Aquilina, author of Just Watch Me, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sherry Botwin, LCSW, social worker and trauma specialist and author of Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. We have created this podcast for your enjoyment and so that we all can talk about our issues and learn together about how to deal with trauma and those things that spring up in our everyday life. Please join us for every episode and let us know what you want to talk about. Now for the show. I know it's been a few months, but we've been busy and we have heard from listeners that they want us up and talking and laughing. So it's great to see you. And I can't wait to have this discussion with you. It's so fun to be back. And I hope that I stay in my seat for this whole show because usually you have me falling over hysterically laughing within 10 to 15 minutes. So we'll see how that goes today. Well, if that happens, we'll have to do a YouTube video of you falling off your chair. (laughs) (laughs) So for those of you who've wondered what we've been up to, one of the things we're doing is we do now have subscribers and we hope that you join us and keep listening and refer your friends to us. Uh, It's been just such a pleasure talking with you over these past couple of years, but there's such high demand. We thought we should make it more personal for you and us. It's very exciting. Yeah. And so for today, one of the things we talked about, Sherry and I, as we were planning topics was what's in the news. And Kanye West has told multiple millions of people that he really doesn't understand how to be kind. I think he apparently CNN reports has a fascination with Adolf Hitler and he once wanted to name an album after him. And now what he's done is attacked many people, including making some very awful, serious, uh, anti-Semitism remarks and, Unfortunately for him and thankfully for us, Adidas woke up and they are no longer partnering with him. I think that's how companies should be. I think that's what should happen in the Olympics until we don't have coaches who abuse their athletes. There should be no sponsorship because that would send a message, clean up sports, clean up schools, clean up all of the abuse. And I think that what Kanye West is doing is really hate speech. And I think that's the larger issue for us today. And I want to talk with you because of your, obviously I'm not a therapist, but I see this all the time and I hear it. I want to talk with you about turning hate speech into love speech, into unity speech. Do you think we can do that when we have someone like Kanye West, well-known out there being so horrible against others? I think we can. And when you just said that last night, I was having a conversation with some of the boys on the way home from my kiddo's birthday party. And when you just said taking, going from hate 
what was the second part going from hate going from to, hate speech to love to love speech, speech. We'll flip the script right oh, into love right. speech and then let's unify in that because this is hate speech divides us it angers us there's nothing good to come of it yeah so this is what i noticed in this conversation there were three boys the first boy was talking about what you just said about his anti-Semitic remarks and was very angry. Then one of the other kids in the car was talking about, he has a, he has like a mental illness. He has problems. And again, these are kids that aren't even 12 years old, but he was talking about how when people have things like bipolar disorder, they can have delusions, they can be psychotic. And then the other kid was sort of saying both sides saying, Okay, so it it's sad that somebody like Kanye suffers from a mental illness, but that doesn't make it okay. It doesn't mean that we just let him off the hook because the one kid was saying, yeah, but it's not his fault. He can't help it. And then the other kid was saying, yeah, he can. Why does him having bipolar disorder excuse him for being so mean and hateful? So as you just said that, I'm thinking, I wish you were in the car with me last night because I thought it was so interesting, especially when you hear kids talking about people who are role models or people, I mean, they listen to his music. They, this, this is the kind of music that young preteens, teenagers listen to. So when you ask me, how do we get from hate to love to unity? Is it possible? I think it is. If we can somehow talk about things like this with a step away and try to understand it, what is going on in his brain and mine that makes him take to social media platforms and spout out such arrogant, ignorant, hateful speech? And why do so many people go along with him? You know, what's really, I want to just step back about 20 seconds from what you said, because you talked about the boys talking and Andrew, of course, is such a nice kid, but obviously he has a group of really nice friends because one of the parents, maybe both of the parents, I don't know, had a chat with their child and that child is spewing, hey, look, he's got mental illness and it's not right what's happening because a lot of kids would not have that insight and it really can start with the parents or adults in the room to say, look, let's analyze this. This is wrong. Here's why it's wrong and here's what should happen. And we need to get those kind of people help. Um, and I don't think, and I hear this all the time, you know, I robbed someone because I was angry because my grandpa died or I assaulted someone because I'm bipolar and I haven't been taking my meds. Well, if you know that take some responsibility, there is a whole line of law. And I know in your teachings as well, in your training where mental illness sometimes overtakes a person and they're not responsible for their actions. But when they know they have to take medicine, that they have to see a therapist, that they need to get rid of the anger and ask for help, then they ought to do that and, and not wait until the worst happens. Because you can't just say, well, this is why I was going through it. So that's an excuse. There's no excuse day on the calendar. No, there's definitely not. And it's interesting as you were saying that. So one of the things that we were talking about in the car was one of the young boys has a mom who has bipolar disorder. So, I mean, I was laughing just because I'm like, where do these kids, how they, how do they get so smart? But he was saying, well, maybe he went off his medication. Does anybody know? Let's ask Siri, is Kanye still on his medication? And then 
which was, it was funny how he said it because he's a kid. And then he started talking about his mom who has bipolar disorder. And he said, you know, my mom has bipolar disorder, but she doesn't act like that. She takes her medication. Now, years ago, because we've known about this child and this family for six years, she was, I don't think she was diagnosed or being treated. And what happened in that family was she was dispelling a lot of anger and rage that didn't make any sense. And then the kid was coming to school. He was saying mean things. He was getting in fights with the other kids. The transformation that I've seen in this young boy since his mom got help made me think again of Kanye, made me think whether he's on his medicine or not. I mean, that's a good question because I don't really know. But the idea that if you are struggling with something that affects how you act, if if you have a mental illness that will cause delusions or hostile ways of thinking and being, you there are things you can do about it. You can take medication and you can also go to therapy and learn how to manage. You know, you and I talk a lot about therapy and how it helps people. So these are all questions. And I think right now, one of the problems with Kanye is people are so focused on what he's saying and how awful it is, but maybe we also need not again, let him off the hook, but we need to understand, not get engaged in it because people who don't know about what he's saying, they start taking on his beliefs because they think he's cool because he's a role model to so many kids and young people that this is how things like anti-Semitism starts, I think. Yeah, it's the backstory, what's causing this, and then having some understanding and partnering with the right people around you or with them for the help and healing that's needed, which apparently he's not done properly. I think he's a little bit too big for his britches and doesn't want to ask for help because what I also read in a CNN article was that his statements and what he's doing within his own organization, he created a hostile work environment. And that was through his obsession with Hitler. And it upset so many people that staff left and there was a settlement over workplace complaints and those included hostile work environment and harassment. And of course he denies this, but I am certain the legal mind in me says there was a NDA or, you know, this contract where we'll pay you, but you can't disclose what it was or what went on. So I'm I'm sure they did that. Um, But his offensive rhetoric and statements have had an effect on the world because he's worldwide known and there's just no place for anti-Semitism or any bullying or negativity against any human for any reason. And we just need to partner together to eradicate that and to eradicate every form of prejudice. We just can't have a world like this. You know, Sherry, the number one killer, this would be good for another show, but the number one killer used to be car accidents of children. It is now guns, but what's behind the trigger? What's behind the trigger is a lot of anger, fear, lots of things like this kind of hate speech that causes guns to be used in the wrong way. I'm not saying you shouldn't own a gun, but look at what has come of us hate speech, guns, death. There's nothing good that's going to come of it. 
No. And the way I look at anger, especially in situations towards a specific group or population, if you take all of your underlying issues and you find something to fixate on that has nothing to do with your actual underlying lining issues, that's where the violence and the shootings, that's what happens. People pick up these guns, they get behind wheels and they're not really dealing with what the actual cause of their anger is. It's all getting misplaced or displaced onto society. And then innocent people, people who are just trying to cross the street or, or like in Philadelphia, kids play outside and then some of them are struck by gun violence because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yes. And I think everybody who's been exposed to hate speech isn't equally affected because of what I do, my job, uh, I guess probably since my lawyer training in law school, I've been exposed to so many different things. And as a lawyer, as a judge in the military, uh, I've been exposed to a lot of different situations. And so I have a higher, I don't want to say tolerance because it's intolerable, but I have a higher I, let's call it a psychological endurance and tolerance for crap like that. And I can handle it from a different perspective in terms of saying, we're not going to have that, you know, and, and I can address it upfront without any thought of what's going to happen to me or what's the you know reaction going to be. I just know it has to stop, but there is a lot of people in the world who have a lower psychological endurance and they're much more vulnerable to emotional outbursts and hate speech. And it really affects them because it, they've, they've either been traumatized or it traumatizes them. So what can those people do? What happens? You know, what I'm thinking that is so important is if you are somebody who's deeply affected by these types of statements, Make sure you talk about what you're reading. Make sure you're telling people if you work in the schools, if you're a kid in the school, if you're a parent and you hear kids talking in such ways, don't keep that stuff to yourself. If you find that you're really affected, deal with your feelings about it, but take action is what I would say. Don't just listen to these awful statements and then have it ruin your day or your week, but actually think to yourself, what can I do with my experience in this area? For example, there's a lot of people in certain parts of the country that have dealt with anti-Semitism, whether they have a relative who served in the war, grandparents who died in the Holocaust, were in recent shootings, there's been shootings and all kinds of hateful speech and actions done towards Jewish organizations. So a lot of people are deeply affected. And I think that, the opportunity when you're really affected by something to speak up and speak out, that's what creates change in this world is that you take people who are really passionate, like you and I, we're really passionate about certain topics. We don't just sit there and think we're passionate. We think, what can we do to change the law? What can we do to help the next assault victim? It's the same thing for people who have dealt with being discriminated against. And again, he's talking right now about anti-Semitism, but that's not the only hateful speech that he's ever spoken. Right. Right. There now the stories are coming out about lots of hateful speech that he's uh spewed. And you know, hate speech, especially I think with young people, 
college age who live together. You know, my kids are in middle school. They're, they're probably spending more time at school than with me between, you know, uh, everything they do and any kind of hate speech, bullying, um, those actions have effects like on academic performance, the quality of their lives. It disrupts the clarity of their goals. Um, I know when my kids are upset, they, they don't want to do things that they used to love. Uh, it just, I think it interferes with their growth, their maturity, their education, their friendships, and it really erodes the foundation of physical and emotional safety mm -hmm. in the same way that bullying or harassment or other trauma does. So hate speech, it really can't be tolerated. I think it's on the same level as those things, is it? It's absolutely on the same level. And you know, one of the things that happens when a story like this with Kanye hits the news cycle, I talk to people who will say to me, now I'm even more afraid to tell people I'm Jewish. Now I'm more even now I'm more afraid to go to synagogue or I'm more afraid to talk about whatever minority group I'm from. So that is a problem. And that is it's horrifying. And but that's what happens. So people become more distrusting anytime there's a story that has anything to do with violence or discrimination that can lead to violence people who already deal with past histories of trauma of all kinds or being discriminated against their triggers. They're like, you're saying some people are more vulnerable, their buttons, their willingness to trust people. It, it goes out the window. And then it's almost like they have to start all over again. Now they have to start all over. I have one woman who won't walk foot into a church because of something that happened to her in a church. That's awful. And I think Let's talk for a minute about whether it's that woman or your child, anyone around you. Uh, we need to all be aware and listen and really focus on what's going on with the people around us and try to figure out if what's happening to them, some of their behaviors are because of underlying trauma and this can cause trauma. So statements like, I feel scared. I don't feel safe. I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating. I'm having nightmares. I'm overwhelmed. If anybody says those things to you, try to get the backstory like we're talking about and figure out if somebody is traumatizing them with uh, bullying words or hate speech, because that has to be addressed. And with trauma, there's no right or wrong way to process it or to grieve uh, or to handle it. But we certainly need people to recognize it so that you can get help yeah, or get and that person help, right? Absolutely. And when we, when we were talking about Kanye in the car last night, one of the, one of the questions I asked the kids was, did something happen to him when he was little? Was he bullied? Was he in a family where people were mean to him? Well, you know, we know about his relationship with his mom and how that, I think, broke his heart when she passed away. But I don't know anything about his life besides that. And that's one of the questions that I have and that I would say to people, if you know somebody that's been bullied or you have a kid that's dealing with that stuff, keep in mind what can happen is it, people will pass it forward. They will become instead of being the victim of a bully, they become a perpetrator and they become a bully if they're not dealing with it. That's one of the issues, again, and one of the problems with all this hateful talk and speech is that oftentimes 
when you sit down with people who are acting in such ways, you find out they've they've also been the target of some type of discrimination. Kanye, I don't know because I don't know him, but yeah. I'm going to assume based on things that he has said that somebody somewhere along the line earlier in his life gave him, whether they gave him the permission or they said things to him, he walked away from something feeling like it's okay to take my anger and sort of put it on others. And again, he didn't just do that towards Jewish people. He did that in his own work environment. Yes. Well, and we have to be mindful of the things that we say or that we talk about or the conversations. Children, young children are like parrots. They will repeat it. And the more they repeat it, they will believe it. And they may offend people without even realizing what they're saying is offensive. So it's important to have these conversations. It's also important to recognize that everyone perceives events differently. So what you perceive is not hate speech. Someone else will perceive it. And, you know, double check yourself, double check the people around you. Don't laugh when somebody makes some bad joke, tell them, you know, that's not funny. That can be hurtful and it's wrong. We shouldn't talk about it. And then talk about why it's wrong because, you know, a hate crime is a threat. It's a threatening behavior and we have to stop it. And it's not cool. It's not cool to take anger towards a group that's vulnerable and say mean things to them. It's, I think when you think about kids and teenagers, sometimes they go along with things because they want to fit in. They think they're cool. I think what we have to say to kids and to teenagers and even just to people in this world, if you want to be cool, do good for people, be an advocate, stand up for something that maybe somebody else is afraid to stand up for. That's cool. It's not cool to go around and diminish the worth of other people or make people feel like they can't walk out of their homes. That's not cool. That's interesting because I have, you know, my twins are 12 going on, I don't know, 32, but uh, they don't listen to me. And uh, (laughs) they say things, they will use words that they heard. uh, And I, I say, why are you using that word? We don't use that in this house do you know what it means? And they think it's funny. And I don't know if it's on YouTube or if it's from maybe something that Kanye or someone like him said. And then I have to say, you can't say that. And I explain why. And they're saying, well, everybody knows that's a joke and we all say it. Well, no, we don't. It hurts people. And, you know, hateful words become hateful crimes, become threats, become negativity. I mean, there's nothing good from it. And I keep telling them kindness. You will get everything you want with kindness. And I'm having a real issue explaining that despite, you know, they don't, we're not beating them. We're not talking this way at home, but I, I, I hate to blame everything on the internet, but there's the internet where they don't really feel that these things are hurtful. And I think that's an overwhelming problem that I've even seen with my students The more you talk online, the more that you can say things without seeing and feeling the reaction of people, you are oblivious. That's one of the problems with the internet. You put out a statement, but you don't have the reaction in front of you. You don't see the person's face. You don't hear the person's thoughts and it's toxic. It can be so, I don't want to say dangerous, but it can be so insensitive and so it just doesn't match what 
real life is. And it's a problem. And I think that's the other thing. People are so quick to take to social media and go off on all kinds of things. We've talked about this. We'll, you know, you and I, if we're in the public, anybody who's in the public, who's standing up for the rights of somebody who may be more of a victim, we put ourselves at risk to receive comments that are going to be hateful. I did something a few months ago on the debt v. heard trial. I don't know what made me open up the comments, but I was curious. And if you could have seen the things that they said to me about both of the people in the trial, both sides, Depp, heard. And I thought to myself, would you actually say that if I was sitting in the room with you? Would you say that to my face? Like, I just think it's, it's, we could use social media in such a different way. And what we have to remember with Kanye, he makes a statement. He tweeted, didn't he tweet this anti-Semitic statement? Yes. That's how we all know about it. So yeah. in a moment of rage, and that's the other thing, I don't think people understand this. When somebody has a mental illness, something like bipolar, and they're in a manic or hypomanic or angry phase, their ability to contain their impulses is going to be zero. So in that moment, he goes and he does whatever he does. The next day, he could go back. And I don't think he's doing this, but sometimes people will go back and think, why did I put that out there? Once right. you put it out there, you can't take it back. You can't, you can delete your tweet, but I guarantee you people screenshot that, forward that, retweet it, and it's going to be out there. So I think that's something else that, we don't really understand about Kanye or people struggling with these types of mental health disorders is that what they are capable of doing on one day may change based on their mood. So, you know, what you just said actually reminds me because we are in an election season right at the end and I am watching and changing the channel. Thank <laughs> God I can change the channel. These horrible attacks, you know, as, as a judge, I've never done when I've run for election, I have never done negative campaigning. I know that when you are a Democrat, Republican, independent, those you go for those seats, people do negative campaigning. The thing is, it's out there. My kids are watching it. I am flipping the channel because I don't want them to see grown people saying really nasty things about another adult, even taking these the worst picture of someone and then making it even worse, like a Halloween kind of scary photo about someone who could be an elected official that we all should respect. I mean, they're going to be our voice. So get informed and tell your legislators, be kind, give us the information. I don't want the nastiness. I want the information. What are you going to change in the world today? And I don't know what... What do you think it is? Why is it that when we're getting close to an election, we're what, nine days, 10 days away? What are these campaign people thinking that they're going to make me want to vote if if they start making fun of or scrutinizing whoever is running against them? We were watching the, we're in the World Series right now. You know that, right? Philadelphia, go Phillies. Yeah. Oh, you've been tweeting about, <laughs> I've been watching you. It's Facebook. You are like their biggest cheerleader. I don't have to watch them. I just watch you. Meanwhile, I've been, don't even go to games or watch, but then all of a sudden the playoffs and I'm like, let's go to a game. And like, I'm watching it. But the other night we were watching the game and you know, there's commercials still, right? So yeah. you go from, Bryce Harper just hit this amazing whatever he hit. I don't even know if you know who he is, but he's one of our best players in Philadelphia. He is such a cool dude. And he likes kids and he likes dogs, so I like him. 
And then the commercial comes on and it was three commercials, three negative commercials against the opponent. And then in the next commercial series, it was the other side having three back-to-back commercials of his opponent. And I did what you just said. I literally like changed the channel. I muted the television. I think at one point I put my hand over my head and I thought, this is not something that I want my almost 12 year old child to be watching on the television. I was offended by the ad. I thought if I'm offended, how many other people, if, if we weren't in the world series or if we were losing that game, cause we're not losing, I would, that would have put me in a bad mood. So negative campaigning does not necessarily make the numbers go up. It can, it can flip your numbers to, to have them go down. I think that the media has a responsibility to do in-depth uh, investigations and stories on people, you, me, whoever, you know, if there's something going on and leave it at that and then look at the facts. But in these 30 second or 20 second commercials where you get a snippet of negativity, uh, it's, it's just bad. It's, it's the last inning and you're making a foul. Right. And you don't recover from that. Right. And the problem is, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I watch these commercials, I think, I'm not voting for either of them. So who am I going to vote for? Cause by right. the end of the night, I don't want to vote for anybody. I'm thinking maybe we'll just like call it a day and just pretend that they're not having an election because all you hear is negative stuff. We do have one politician he's in Jersey, but I see his commercials. The nicest guy just sits in the commercial with his family as they're eating their ice cream. Do you mm-hmm. know, he's been in office for longer than all these other people. Of and course. Do you, why do you think that is? Right. Right. Kindness, family values, you, someone you can relate to and talk with, and you're not going to feel bullied, intimidated, harassed, demeaned, and all the negativity in the advertisements just says that's a bully and I'm not voting for him or her. And I would just say again, anybody out there who's making hateful comments or trying to dismantle others and their value, that's a problem for them there's something going on in that person's brain, heart, or body, whether they're insecure, they have a history of trauma, they have bipolar disorder, whatever it is, there's something going on in their head that makes them act like that. And that's important for us to remember that people don't do these things for no reason. There's always something in the background. And again, not to make an excuse, because there's not an excuse, but as a way to not join them, as a way to say, it's not okay. And it's not cool. And I don't want, I would never want to be like you. And I wouldn't want my kid to be like you. And I don't want you sitting in my Senate because I don't like how you're talking about things. Absolutely. We don't want our taxpayer money to support your bad behavior. So, you know, this brings me to sort of the conclusion, I guess, of all of this. And I think if people are faced with um, hate language, a hate crime, a, a threatening behavior of any type, they need to have some resources. And clearly I'm in favor of, and I actually during sentencings and probation periods of people who've done wrong, always refer, or if I have a friend who is not doing well, I refer them to support groups that are specific to whatever the need is. And I also usually recommend the support group as well as individual therapy, because sometimes you can't say things in the group. And also I think exploring your background and where this um, 
whatever, whether you are the person who are, who's promoting the hate or who receives the hate, I think the exploration with a trained therapist is really important. And I also think that finding and connecting, uh, with a community or with a group of people who have gone through the same experiences and can relate is really, really important. Um, Sherry, am I on target? Is there more we can do? How do we find somebody that's the right person? I think again, how do you find somebody that's the right person? You find somebody that has some understanding in this topic or experience in dealing with it. If you're somebody that can't access therapy right now due to finances, there are organizations out there that you can reach out to that center around anti-Semitism, all different types of minority groups. I think the most important thing is to keep having a dialogue about it. And if you are somebody that is struggling to let go of some of these beliefs because it's what was taught to you, maybe just say to yourself, but I want to, I want to find out if that's actually the truth. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do when you have prejudice, prejudice thoughts is to talk to somebody that you're, you're having those thoughts against and see what the heck is going on in their mind and find out what's a myth and what's real. So I think there's di so many different ways to sort of look at this. Um, I am going to recommend this. Like I just, I'm remembering this as we're sitting here, I'm trying to think how you say his name. His name is Camus Bell. So he has a show on CNN and I can't remember the name of it. This is my 50 something year old brain. He actually, <laughs> if you go on CNN and you go to their, to their on-demand channel, he did, he's an African-American guy. He's such an awesome, amazing. He was the producer of the Cosby documentary. He spent an hour with people in the Ku Klux Ku Klux Klan. He actually went into their meetings, interviewed them, talked to them. I mean, the courage of this guy, they, they could have destroyed him, but he had cameras with him. He had safety. When he went in there and he actually talked to them, it was, on the one hand, it was kind of heartbreaking to hear some of what the Ku Klux Klan said, but it was so hopeful because I thought maybe these men will feel differently about someone like him when the cameras go off. So that might sound like an odd way to sort of approach all this, but that hour was a very informative hour for me because obviously I have a lot of strong, angry feelings towards people like the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. There's something. I totally about, agree. But if you watch the show and you listen to some of them. So I think the name of the show is United Shades of Thank America. Thank you. How'd okay. You, how'd you find that? You well, have... you know, you just want to know. You ask me. I'm better than Siri. <laughs> Did you Google that while we're sitting here? I have secrets. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. Now I'm like, holy moly's. But yes, that's what it's called. It's an amazing yeah. show, too. But that particular episode was it was just on a couple months ago. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, what you said, which I love is, you know, is it truth or fiction, you know, and getting that backstory and understanding where these things come from and not really forgiving people, because sometimes you can't forgive people that have 
said hateful things, but you can understand where they're coming from and you can do better and you can help educate them. But if you are triggered or traumatized, you really do need a trained trauma therapist, not just any therapist, but a trained trauma therapist who's informed, who has connections with those groups and other people, because uh, getting over this kind of rage is, is difficult. And of course, we don't want somebody to be triggered, take a gun and shoot up our movie theater, our churches, our schools. And that's happening sadly almost every day. And I think I want to end on this note. I want to say to people, I have worked with people who struggle with anger, who have had to do a lot of work around anger management. I see transformation. I see people learning how to understand their rage and how to use it in a way that's going to be productive and not continue to act on it in ways that are going to be hurtful. So if you're out there thinking that's impossible, you can't help somebody with this type of problem, you actually can. Absolutely. It's so funny you say that because when people, when defendants are in front of me, I will say, look, you've done all this crime. If you take that energy and you do good things in the world, you are going to climb mountains. You're going to achieve your dreams farther and faster and better than anything you've ever imagined. So we need to just flip the script and turn on a few light bulbs for people. And for those of you listening, it's just been such a joy uh, today to get back with you and reconnect. And if you like us, please subscribe and rate and review on Spotify and Anchor and wherever you listen. Sherry, you didn't fall off your chair. I guess <laughs> I almost did. <laughs> Well, the thing is I fixed my chair too, cause it was sort of broken. So I got a new one. So now I may not fall off it. I just may start doing circles instead. Okay. Well, we're going to have to get one of those buttons where I can actually make a sound that you actually fell off the chair so we can show people what I see. So for those of you listening, it's been terrific. Stay, stay healthy, happy, and warm and positive. See you next time. See you next time. Thanks so much for joining us today on Warrior Women Speak. It truly is an honor to be able to sit down with Judge Aquilina and have such meaningful conversations. Stay tuned. Each Monday, we will be releasing new episodes in the hopes that we will inspire, uplift, and instill hope. Be sure to subscribe now to at Warrior Women Speak. Until next time.